What's going on, y'all? This is Culture and Code, a podcast brought to you by Render Atlanta. If you're not already familiar with what Render Atlanta is, we are an organization dedicated to increasing the presence of Black and Brown people in all stages of the tech pipeline. We do so with different events and experiences focused on not just tech, but also culture and how it brings people together. Our main experience, which I am personally super excited about, is our annual Render Atlanta conference held in Atlanta. Our next conference will be June 1st through 4th in 2022. It is super exciting. We have a ton of great speakers lined up, some amazing food, and even an after-party music festival. It's going to be incredible, and I absolutely cannot wait for y'all to experience it. You have got to get in on it if you haven't already. To learn more about us and keep up with our events, you can visit our website at renderatl.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at renderatl and join the conversation on our Discord at renderatl.com forward slash Discord. Hey everyone, this is an episode of Culture and Code brought to you by Render Atlanta. My name's Ashley. I am one of the developer advocates for Render Atlanta. Today, I'm here with Rizelle Scarlett, who is a developer advocate at GitHub. And we're going to be chatting a little about empowering junior engineers and creating content for a junior developer audience. I'm super, super pumped to have Rizelle on because I actually met her through Twitter. So this is just my first time chatting with her in general. So I've really been looking forward to it. So hey, Rizelle, how's it going? Hey, thanks for having me on, and I'm excited to be here too. Of course. Everything's going good, yeah. Good, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I wanted to start today with just talking a little bit about your background and how you got into tech and got to where you currently are today. Sure. So I've talked about this before in other mediums, so I'll try to make it short. But basically, I started going to college for psychology, and I was undocumented, realized I didn't have enough money to, like, finish college and then especially because I was undocumented that meant I wouldn't have like federal financial aid or I couldn't take out loans and stuff like that so I decided okay I have to like stop going to college because I don't have the money and I decided to take like a year trying to think about like what I should study instead and then afterwards I got this thing called DACA which essentially allows undocumented students to like get like social security numbers and stuff like that so they can go to college drive actually have a life and I took that time to like reevaluate and be like hmm does psychology actually make sense for me because I would have to go to grad school and I just googled jobs that make a lot of money and And then tech kept coming up. So I was like, I know how to use a computer. Like I can do that. So I started studying um, information, computer information systems at Bunker Hill. Through that, got a couple internships, got introduced to software engineering, went to a coding bootcamp to learn about software engineering, got a software engineering role. And then I seen people on Twitter creating content and stuff like that. And I was like, that's really cool. I want to do that. And I looked into developer advocacy and eventually got a role in that. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's rarely ever a straight line I've found with people that get into tech. So it's always super interesting to see how people end up here. Yeah, no, it really is. There's a lot of people who have been like teachers or marketers and stuff like that. 
I try to tell people about tech because I think it's pretty life-changing. For sure, yeah. And just the fact that you study different fields or you were exposed to different fields and you're able to bring that perspective in, that's super, super valuable. So that's amazing to hear. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so you gave a few talks or maybe just a couple about empowering junior engineers. So I'd love to just get some ideas from you because I feel like the pipeline for junior engineers from starting a job or even just backing up, like finding a job, starting a job, and then actually getting acclimated to a job, those are some really, really impressionable parts for them that can really make or break their career. So in terms of onboarding processes, I'd love to get your thoughts on what are some ways that those onboarding processes can be shaped to be more inclusive of junior engineers? Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of experiences at startups as a junior engineer, and like I completely understand like startups are startups, so they don't always have everything together and they may get like very excited to welcome on a junior engineer. But I think for onboarding, the simplest thing you can do is like have them come on, show them like how your company works, pair them with a mentor that's actually interested. Because I think sometimes junior engineers get paired with a mentor that like maybe they feel a little bit overwhelmed by their work or they're not like that passionate or interested in mentoring another junior engineer. So get someone who can advocate for them, cares, and maybe let them know like, yeah, I understand that you're going to be mentoring a junior engineer. So if your tickets aren't getting done or something like, like give them less story points or something like that. And then on top of that, having them do Everyone does the whole like going through documentation. So having them go through that so they can set up their machine, have them edit the documentation to things that were more obvious to them and then give them a few good first issues. And also I think in, I'm pretty passionate about the mentorship part too, in like talking with the mentor and, or or the mentor should talk with the mentee and try to get a better understanding of like how the mentee best communicates and how you would prefer to communicate like making those things clear is really important because I think I've gotten paired with mentors in the past and I was confused. I'm like, should I hit them up? Do they want me to slack them? Do they want me to email them? So just being transparent and laying those cards on the table, like you're invested in helping them grow and any question that they ask is not too dumb and figuring out like what pace they want to go at. Because I think sometimes you might like throw them a good first issue and then you're like, all right, now here's a feature and that that can be overwhelming (laughs) you're like whoa okay or maybe you're maybe they feel they're going too slow so I think a lot of the onboarding can vary from person to person and I think it's sitting down and getting an understanding of like how that person best works and what they're looking for in their career for sure that's all super amazing advice I especially love the points you made about setting that expectation because I think it is often done maybe on one side, like maybe the mentor sets it for the mentee, but not the other way around. So I think that's a great point about the mutual expectations there. You also mentioned documentation. So obviously it's, it's a huge part of everyone's learning experience. How do you feel like we could write better documentation for all skill levels, but especially for juniors? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think the simpler or the more you break it down, the better, right? I think sometimes we write documentation assuming that maybe this person knows 
what repository to go into or what folder or like you know I'm like break it down to the smallest thing even if you think maybe that person knows it already make it even more broken down and I think I don't know if people review documentation as deeply as they like do code reviews so having like the team or maybe like the most inexperienced or newest person on the team also review that and be like oh maybe you should add this part in or that part I think yeah I think a lot of times we write documentation with a ton of assumptions breaking it down to the simplest point is important I'm hoping I don't have that much advice on this though and I was hoping to read the docs for developers book because I think that would probably have like some great advice on how to write good documentation. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's an interesting problem that hasn't been addressed that frequently. I think inherently people are like, yeah, we do need better documentation all around, especially for those that are starting, but it's really hard to understand where to start with that, especially when you already have such a large base of documentation. What's going on, y'all? If you're loving this episode so far, we'd love to invite you to join the conversation about it by hopping into our Discord at renderatl.com forward slash Discord. We'd also love to have you at our upcoming conference this year, June 1st through 4th in Atlanta. You can visit renderatl.com for more information. You can also find us on our updates on Instagram and Twitter at renderatl. Everything being distributed now with that remote work model, are there any good ways that we can open that up a little bit and make that easier for juniors to still feel comfortable asking questions with that lack of accessibility that you might have from being in the office next to someone? Yeah, good question. I think so. I each at this program, or I help to like run this program called G-Code, which teaches women of color and non-binary people of color to code. And I, I have noticed that like in moving from being in person to remote, like people are more quiet. They're scared to ask questions. We can't tell when they're, when they're struggling. So it's something I've struggled with as well. But similarly to like some of the other points I made, we have office hours open. So if they feel like embarrassed or scared to ask those questions in the moment, they can hop into office hours. I think just stressing to them, like you're here, you're available, ask me anything. And I don't think junior engineers are that scared to ask questions as people make it seem. I think it's more like sometimes the reaction from other people I think sometimes like I've asked questions and then felt discouraged because they all say like oh just google it or Mm -hmm. something that feels very dismissive and instead of saying just google it I think a better thing to say is like try to get them into a pattern of answering all the questions that you need first because of course they already googled it so saying like what's your goal what have you already tried? And then what was the result? And then after a while, they'll get into that pattern of like answering it that way before you even ask them. So I think it's more about showing that you're available to answer questions than doing anything else. Because I think people are ready to ask questions and also showing that the rest of your team also ask questions like if you see a senior engineer asking for help you're like oh okay this is the culture it's okay to ask questions here yeah Yeah. that's always super validating for me too when I go into a space where I see someone more senior than me that 
is comfortable just like throwing a question out there because then I'm also like oh yeah like it's okay that I have questions too and everyone no matter what level that you're at is always going to run into some sort of like snag or have some sort of question so yeah that's super super encouraging yeah agreed I did also want to talk a little bit about the tech pipeline, especially for juniors, I think that's something that has been a recurring topic on Twitter, especially lately. A lot mm-hmm. of juniors or new grads or even people that are self-taught or bootcamp grads are just hitting a wall when it comes to applying to jobs. My partner is a bootcamp grad, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on the first part of the pipeline. So interviewing practices in general, how can we adjust that to make that more inclusive and junior friendly, especially because technical interviews so intimidating. It's basically like having a job in itself. So how do we fix that? Yeah, I'm terrible at technical interviews. I do not like those. I think I've always excelled at the interviews where they ask me to like show them a project that I've done before and talk about it in detail. I think I would hope that more companies can move to that kind of model I know oftentimes too, they want you to, the the take-home projects are not that bad, but I think they're also a little bit not inclusive because now there's people working their full-time job and doing like a take-home project at the same time. So I say like, um, evaluate the project they've done in a bootcamp, evaluate the project they've done on, on the side or whatever, and talk to them about it in detail. And I think that's, to me, that's good enough to see like, what their understanding is and what they can do. I've also seen interviews where they had them read or like help them to debug code. I think that's still a little scary, but I think it's a little bit easier than like, oh, watch me code, like having someone watch you code and you're typing it out and you're like trying to do a linked list when I don't understand that either. Like you're a boot camper. Why are they asking you to like write a linked list? Like you haven't learned (laughs) (laughs) data structures like this is not fair that you have to like sit down and relearn everything else but I think people if they've gone through a coding boot camp and they're great at communication I think people and they have the bandwidth to support a junior engineer I think companies need to be more willing and understanding and look at their projects and how they communicate like technical concepts more than just like oh this person knows how to like do something that people learned in college For sure. Yeah. I've noticed that we maybe have tried to simplify the interview process a little too much with things like grading and hacker rank and just like scoring all of these things. But it's really like you can't score problem solving skills in such a timed constraint, especially when in a normal context, right? You use Google, you use external resources. So yeah, I think those are really great first steps. And I wanted to kind of switch it up a little bit and ask you a more render question, especially since we're all thinking about the holidays and seeing family. I'd love to know what food reminds you the most of home. Ooh, that is a really good question. I'm going to say roti and particularly like Guyanese or Trinidadian roti. My family's Guyanese, like pretty Caribbean. So I'm like into like curry and roti and stuff like that so yeah I'll pick that and if people don't know what that is it's kind of it looks like a burrito but it has curry in it <laughs> I think a, a Caribbean person would be mad if I said that but like that's the most <laughs> the best example I could get for people 
Thank you. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're coming up on time. It's been amazing chatting with you. It's definitely flown by. To close out, is there anything that you want to plug? It can be personal. It can be a meme. It can be a cause you support. You're welcome to go ahead and plug whatever you'd like. Sure. I want to plug two things. I guess first, follow me on Twitter at Black Girl Bites. And then also follow G Code House on Twitter. That's basically a program that helps to support women of color and non-binary people of color and teach them to code. And eventually we're hoping to be able to house those who are like low income or dealing with housing insecurities. We actually purchased a house. We're just looking to renovate it. So if you want to help come to mentor or donate some money, or if you're someone looking to learn to code, definitely check us out. That is so incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm probably going to check y'all out after this. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously, thank you so much, Rizal, for coming on. It's been amazing chatting with you. Like we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on, but it's always so fun to actually talk to people that you've only ever spoken to on the internet. So this was yeah. a great experience all around. And I agree. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Culture and Code. We'll see you next time. And of course, don't forget to stay looped in on all things render, especially with our conference coming up in June 2022 in Atlanta. You can find us on Twitter at RenderATL, and you can hop in on our Discord and join the conversation at RenderATL.com forward slash Discord. You can also find me on Twitter at Ashley underscore in underscore tech. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. See y'all next time.